0: Welcome to episode number seventy-one of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Mountain Weather, your source for weather in the mountains in Jackson Hole and beyond. Please visit the JacksonHoleConnection.com/slash/MountainWeather to learn a whole lot more. Thank you for joining me today at the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Abrams, your host. Today's guest is a great friend, community volunteer extraordinaire. MC at our annual parades, business leader, and superb athlete, Jim OJ. Jim turns today's episode around a little bit from the usual interview format I conduct. Jim's clear communication style and humble personality certainly shine during this episode. I hope you'll enjoy what Jim will bring to today's episode as much as I had, let's say by just having a chat with Jim. Jim. Jim Awesome to have you here today as a guest for the Jackson Hole Connection. Thank you for taking the time out again, because this is our second go. The first one got distorted. So.
1: Well, I don't know. Maybe that means something. I'm not quite sure what. Maybe that means I'm a little distorted, but I super <laughs> appreciate the invitation. And, uh, and, uh, and and I guess the it's not the rules, but the, what was it, a, re- a requirement or a suggestion I made as to you know how or why we do this? remember that yes yeah and 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 what was that i think i remember i think i had the audacity to say something to you what was that
0: well i asked you to be a guest and you're like (laughs) well only if i can interview you right there you go yeah Yeah. so
1: so a guest has the audacity to say i'll only come on if i can interview you right right that i guess that's kind of what i did but uh thank you for accepting
0: absolutely But but we do have to start so people know what your connection is to Jackson Hole. That's who you are.
1: Okay. So quickly, (laughs) Okay, <laughs> there there you it. go. That was fast. I like that. It was super good. Let's talk about you because way more interesting no, than, no, than no, yours no. truly. Right. First, you got to go back. Okay. Just quickly, uh, our family moved here in 1972, started Teton Motors. Uh, I was 12 years old at the time. So if you you can do the math from that. But uh, So when you're 12 and your family moves somewhere, guess what? You move with them. Uh, <laughs> Usually the case. Yeah. If they like you. Exactly. So that's, uh, that's my connection. That's how I uh, got here. I was in the middle of seventh grade and uh, yeah, moved from a suburb of Chicago to to Jackson Hole, Wyoming as a 12 year old. That was uh, a little culture shock, but uh, in the long run, really, really fortunate it happened to me.
0: I'm glad that that all happened to you. And when you moved here in 1972, your dad decided, hey, I'm going to go buy this Chevrolet dealership in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I'm leaving. He was... What, a teacher?
1: Uh, Well, yeah, so this is... He didn't actually buy one. They started it from nothing. Oh, okay. Right? So, yes, he was a high school teacher... In uh, again, the suburb of Chicago, and uh, he had his uh, masters in music from Northwestern. And uh, a lifelong friend of his also got a degree from Northwestern. They were friends, and uh, that was Jerry Tapp, who just recently passed. And Jerry was an avid skier, so you hear that a lot. I've heard many, many, many of your of your guests were brought here by skiing. Mm-hmm. We were brought here indirectly by skiing. Our family was not <laughs> skiers. <laughs> (laughs) my dad learned at 40 some years old, but anyway, uh, Jerry was a big skier and he really was looking for an excuse to move here. Uh, and, uh, my dad quit teaching, got into the car business in uh, again, in a suburb of Chicago and Jerry approached him and said, Hey, what if we become partners and open up a dealership? And the previous GM store had gone bankrupt Hmm. Uh, it Was in uh, the corner where Gather is right yeah. now, where Lee J's used to be for uh-huh. the old timers. Remember where Lee J's was uh, and Anthony's, all on that block. That was where the old uh, GM dealership was. Okay. Uh, so anyway, they decided that location was not going to be good, and they had to find a spot. And they bought the property property that we sit on uh, today, back from Josie Horn, and uh, back in the I think I'm not sure when they bought the land in '71 or '2, but anyway, that was. Uh, That's what happened. So, they started the business together. Jerry got to ski. Uh, My dad got to work. Cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And a car dealership back then, would they just sell cars or were they um, taking care of warranty Oh, no. We were
1: full-line General Motors. Uh, uh, It was Chevy, Buick, Pontiac, and Olds, Mm -hmm. uh, which the only one remaining is Chevrolet here. Uh, And... So, yeah, it was those franchises, and we had a service department and a new car department, a parts department, and built it from nothing, hired some local people, brought in a few other folks that moved here, and uh, we were up and running uh, as a dealership in November of 72, so.
0: What a great time to open any business here in Jacksonville. I, st- I
1: in still I, yeah, I mean, I still kind of cringe and mm-hmm. wonder. I mean, I'm 12, obviously, right? What do you, you're just a punk? twerp at 12 years old so (laughs) and i fit that description quite well so uh i mean i didn't i didn't know any better i just i just knew that i was gonna have no friends and we were the first house lived in the aspens uh, legally there were a few being built by guys that were illegally living in them without a certificate of occupancy but we were the first one legally lived in
0: you guys were Uh, the first legal occupants at
1: house in the aspens yeah i believe so house house oh yeah there were the condos were in front the first bank of condos and the realtor there that was selling property lived in there with her family Mm -hmm. uh it was actually ty tice uh and and her and her kids and yeah and uh, we had a party line our phone was a party line so uh, i think we were one long ring and they were two short rings so two shorts rang in their unit and then one long rang in our house Mm -hmm. that was it cool so and there was three or three other homes being built at the time so and so now it's who's
0: running owning operating Teton Motors
1: uh, so now it's just it's my brother and I okay and uh, my dad retired in 1991 which is when I moved back to town mm-hmm. and we've been running it together now for uh, 28 years and my brother's president on the vice president he started in 1977 so he's been here a really long time and yeah, it's been a family business since the get go. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of there's not many of us left, really, uh, in town for that are that old doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Shervins. yes. Uh, the Antler, you know, Clarine and her family, uh, and I'm sure there's a few others out there. But you know, Jackson Five Nine, Five Nine went away recently. Uh, I'm trying to think. Obviously, the Blue Line's been here a long time, you know, and Ned's been running that a long time. Right. But in terms of family business and maybe down a generation or two, uh, obviously, the Turners are Triangle X for much longer than us. But in terms of businesses in Jackson that are, you know, second, third generation, yeah, they're still doing the same thing. Not, There's just not that many of us left.
0: Wow. And maybe some construction here and there. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but it, like you said, it's it's not many.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we, down. if you and I took the time and drove around town and thought about it and after Rotary and we met some folks, we'd say, oh, yeah, those, I mean, I'm, yeah. So don't mean to slight those families out there that uh, have those businesses because I'm forgetting you. I just, this is just a couple that come to mind. That's all right. Thank
0: you. Thank you for sharing. Fantastic oh, sure. story. And thank you for what you and your brother do for the community of Jackson Hole. If anybody's listening and ever wants, anybody wants to hear Jim, you can come out. Fourth of July, you were one of the MCs for the parade. (laughs)
1: Yes, that is. You're also the MC for Old Bills. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, Old West Days Parade. Old West Days. Yeah.
0: So people can get lots of gems.
1: If they want to hear me say stupid stuff, (laughs) which is, I think, they figured why I'm maybe somewhat okay at it. It's like, let's get the knucklehead to say kind of dopey, crazy things during the parade. And uh, yeah, haven't said anything bad enough to get fired from any of those jobs. (laughs) Uh, It's been years. It's a blast.
0: Good. Uh, well, thank you for doing it. You and bet, and it looks like a blast.
1: Yeah, it is fun up there. So, can
0: we talk about you? Um, since that is our agreement, that's the that's really
1: the goal here. Yes, I think we're done with me. That yes. would right. that would be a good thing to be done. So with me.
0: the roles are reversing here, folks. Okay, and now Jim is going to interview me. You were not the first person that asked to interview me.
1: Wow. Okay. What happened before that?
0: Well, the news and guide asked, uh-huh. which is our local paper. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Come and
0: on. I said, absolutely. That would be a lot of fun. We'll yeah. do it over a recording, and uh-huh. that'll be the episode as well. Yeah. Interviewing me. <clears throat> and they didn't respond.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, that's okay. I'm. That That is my game. I am tickled that that fell through the cracks and that you and I get to be here and get to do this because... Uh, I think you've got, I know, I don't think, I know you've got some fascinating stories and some fun stuff to share with your listeners. And uh, I know, I mean, I've listened to a number of your podcasts, not everyone. And knowing that I was going to do this, I I tried to do a little homework and listen a little bit and kind of figure out what you do, what you don't do. And can we kind of stay on track and all that kind of good stuff. But uh, I am I am thrilled that you said yes and that we get to do this and your listeners get to learn a little bit about you today. I am as well. Good. Uh, all right, so here we go. So we start with my connection, your initial connection to Jackson Hole.
0: Absolutely. My initial connection was my brother. Okay. He was living out here. He moved here with his girlfriend at the time because he traveled out here to across the country to hear widespread panic. Oh,
1: all right. He's yeah,
0: following yeah. the band and traveled and visited them several times out west, and they had uh-huh. some shows out here. And there was one point he said, I'm moving to Jackson Hole. So he did. Uh
1: Uh-huh. How much older is he than you? 18 months. Oh, wow. Okay,
0: so not much. Not a ton older. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's close. And so I was working in Mississippi. I helped open the Beau Rivage, which was the
1: Mm -hmm. property. Large, nice. Wasn't that the first big casino on the, or nice one, I think? I think
0: you could say that. Yeah, it was. Because even I've heard of it. It was a Mirage property. It
1: was, all right.
0: And so this was the first one. This was pre-Katrina. Oh, yeah. Helped open that place and decided... So I grew up in Mississippi. Yeah. And I decided being back in Mississippi, especially on the Gulf Coast, was Mm -hmm. not for me. Okay. Was not the culture that I was looking for, was not enjoying the work. The work was... Very educational, mm-hmm. but for what I was doing, I was not going to pay the way.
1: What were my you doing? What, what, what I was assistant
0: things? manager for several restaurant concepts. So I oh, think well. there were right. probably 10 to 13 different food outlets inside mm-hmm. of this casino, which and is a would, lot.
1: Would, yeah. Would all of – some of those report to you or all of them? How that work? That's kind of interesting. No, I was
0: just assistant manager for three of them, a brew all pub, right. barbecue restaurant, and then a little deli in uh-huh. uh, off the poker room. All right. So, I decided I was going to quit. My brother said, well, you've never really had a vacation. You've always worked. So, why don't you come out here and have a vacation? Mm -hmm. And I did. And that was June of 99. And he asked his landlords at the time if he could have his brother come and stay for an extended period of time. Because that was in the lease. And they said, yes. All right. And... Fast forward, my brother left. He moved to North Carolina. How, what, like six months later, a year no, later? we're talking about a year later. Okay, year a year. A half, year, year and a half. Yeah. And the folks who were the landlords there have now become kind of my adopted parents. Wow.
1: Oh, now that's that's good stuff. It is. That's really good stuff.
0: And so we're very close, and they call our kids their grandkids. Um, I nice. I met my wife here. And
1: yeah.
0: And married and have two boys.
1: You're awesome boys, yeah. yeah. Lewis and Will, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you you come out here. You, you didn't just wobble into town in a car that barely made it. I mean, you got here, your brother was here, yes. and now you got to find something to do. How, how much vacation time versus how much were you, for you started, like to actually do something?
0: Uh, good question. So I got here on one day. We had dinner that night, and then they left the next morning to get on the road for, I think, six weeks for widespread panic.
1: And <laughs> your brother was gone. And no way, one day. Yes,
0: and I couldn't stay where they were staying. So one of the guys he was going on the road with, I took his room. Uh huh. So he didn't have to pay rent while he was gone. So it helped him out.
1: Sure, he could afford more widespread panic. He could afford widespread
0: <laughs> panic. That's right. And. So I got a job at Amangani and met some phenomenal people there. Uh, Mike okay. Jorgensen, now mm-hmm. Liz Jorgensen. Yeah, I know Mike Anna, and Liz. Uh huh. Um, Jeff Ward.
1: Oh, yeah. Him, uh, mm-hmm.
0: Old friend, Kevin Fitzsimmons. His brother's been on here. but uh, They are all
1: working at the Amangani.
0: All working at Amangani. All so So right. a uh, lot of people that I made connections with. Mm-hmm. There. I lasted there for probably about two and a half months. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. Then I needed another job. And Is that so by I, your
1: own choice, I suspect? You're like, yeah, eh. I decided I was for me. Okay.
0: So I decided I just went and applied for a job. Applied mm-hmm. at the liquor store as a cashier, and I was happy stocking the shelves and cleaning the windows and selling wine and liquor and beer.
1: And how old were you?
0: Uh, 99. I haven't done the math yet. Come on. Yeah, I was in my late 20s. Okay. Yeah. So All I right. started there as a cashier at the liquor store.
1: Nice, and they were. Where was the location of the liquor store at that point? At that point,
0: it's where
1: uh, Hoback Hoback Sports is. Sports right? is now. now.
0: Yeah, so it was right yeah. next to Albertsons at that time. Okay,
1: so you know, just like for those folks that don't know, I mean, fast forward twenty years later, you run the liquor store with a partner. Correct. Right. I Your be- official title is.
0: I don't know, whatever you want to call CEO, me. <laughs> owner. Sure, <laughs> CEO, owner. <laughs> owner. So uh, over time, I became an owner, partners with um, Pete and Jackie and, and Rod. Uh-huh. And then over time, uh, Rod, I mean, Pete and Jackie decided they wanted to sell out. Uh, mm mm-hmm. And we bought it from them, Rod and I did, and Rod's yeah. a senior partner there. Okay. And he's happy with what I do. And Yeah. Um, yeah. And have a great crew, and the only reason the store does what it does is because of the wonderful people that are there.
1: Sure. So this is a this is not I I think a typical story here in Jackson Hole. I mean, a lot of people don't you know, scratch. They stay for a few years. They whatever, and and they move on. They don't they don't stick. But not only that, I don't know too many folks that that come into town and are working as a cashier, <clears throat> excuse me, in that business. And then 20 years later, they are an owner of that business. So walk me through a little bit, kind of some key parts of how that happened. What what, what did Stefan do to get to where he is that way? Hard work. Okay. Um, opportunities were presented, because Peter
0: and Jackie, they were the operating ma- owners, mm-hmm. managing okay. owners, uh-huh. for 20
1: years. Yeah.
0: And they were ready to pull away a little bit. Mm -hmm. And they were looking for somebody to to do that and take the reins. And I said, I'll do it. All right. Certainly was not great at it back then, not perfect at it right now.
1: Well, we never are, but (laughs) obviously you you stepped in to the (laughs) void, if you will. I
0: did. And lots of hard work, commitment. So I put in a lot of time. I would spend time at night at home Uh looking over information and... I'd go in on the weekends or worked weekends and uh-huh. would spend extra time there just so I could learn the business.
1: So, I because we are on round two, I remember a few things that we went over. We kind of discussed in round one, mm-hmm. and so tell me a little bit about your family's entrepreneurial background and which oh, I yes. which, which I believe kind of uh, influenced you to be what you are today. Yeah, I would say, yes. Is that a reasonable?
0: I, I would say that's very reasonable. I grew up in this town, Brookhaven, Mississippi, which is 60 miles south of Jackson, Mississippi. Okay. And my grandfather ran a mercantile store that he took over from his father. Wow. And All, right. All right. And so it's
1: been there a long time.
0: It had been there a long time. To give an idea... My grandfather was born in nineteen oh four. He was born hmm. in the room that he slept in. He <laughs> helped operate this store as a in
1: young the same kid, town, in Brookhaven. Okay. Correct.
0: He was one of five. And so I grew up going to the store and also yeah. I grew up being given responsibilities, such as my brother and I had to mow the yard and
1: And uh, how old were you?
0: We could barely eight, we could barely see it the handlebar of the lawnmower. And yeah. back then they didn't have the safety bar, which meant that little bar that you would hold on to right. if you let go the motor stops. It just kept you just the if you let go of the handlebar, right. the engine was still running. running. Yeah. <laughs> I guess people would go into his store and say, Cliff, those boys are too young to be doing that and he's like, Nope, they gotta do it sometime. <laughs> and that's the way he I mean, very kind, gentle, loving, caring person, but he felt as though work was important. So, I grew up working in the store and helping write out register tickets um, using an old adding machine mm. that was had no electricity to it. So you had your single pennies, you had mm. your ten pennies, and. Your single want, dollars, and then $10, and that's how you would use these buttons for mm-hmm. this adding machine. And calculating tax, I remember one lady came in and she had a house charge, and they asked uh, the guys asked her to sign the slip, and she just put an X. And I just looked up at him, and he said, just shook his head, and as that is good. And afterwards, oh my, um, they yeah. said she doesn't know how to write. She probably doesn't know how to read either. <laughs> uh huh. And you got to remember, this is rural Mississippi, Mississippi, and I'm a little kid. I'm probably, I don't know, eight, ten years old, somewhere uh-huh. around there. Yeah. And so this person in there, she was in her 80s. So uh. she was probably born. Yeah. At the turn of the century, mm-hmm. and was never given the opportunity to, to get an education. To get an education. Yeah. Um, we're talking about. Very heavily um, African American okay. population that was my grandfather's customer base. Okay, um, and the guys who worked there, uh, Will Robinson and A.G. Sullivan, they were like amazing mentors to me. So, my grandfather helped me get my first lawnmower, and. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, so you I, were mowing yards. Was yeah. that like a side job in addition to working at the store? Or <laughs> I, I would just get on my bike, and I
0: enjoyed being around my grandfather and being at the store. Okay, I, I really liked it, and mm-hmm. I liked talking to them, and, mm-hmm. it, and I enjoyed the conversation that you would always be a part of or hear. Mm-hmm. And so I would get on my bike, and I would just go ride to the store because it was a small town. You can mm-hmm. get on your bike and How you small? go do that. It was probably a town of – maximum 10,000. All right. If all right. that maximum. All right. That's um, pretty small. So yeah, it was pretty small. We did not have tourism like what Jackson Hole uh-huh. has, so the population base is pretty, pretty steady. Sure. Pretty steady. Yeah. And I would go in there and help and over time I had a lawn mowing business and uh-huh. I'd walk around the neighborhood and mow yards and over time I saved enough money, and got a weed eater. And I'd charge more
1: to weed trim or trim people's yards as well. So th- I, I love this. So you you save money to buy a piece of equipment to upgrade your services. You didn't use it to buy something crazy or frivolous. You used it to reinvest in yourself and your own little business.
0: I, I did. But keep in mind that I was also buying plethora of be- baseball cards.
1: Oh, because I was, I was going to ask. So what did you... <laughs> Spend, waste. What was? What did you indulge yourself with your with your earnings? It was baseball cards primarily? Primarily, primarily
0: baseball cards, but my grandfather was big into saving, so I'd save money uh, or I'd buy some stocks. Okay. Um, so I'd own Walt Disney or Nike or something else. Um, so
1: you were stock buying at 10 years old?
0: Yeah. I have nothing to show for it now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're
0: gone? <laughs> I have nothing to show for it at this point in, in time. But he was a generation of the Depression, so oh. – you had to save money. yeah. And when he was operating the store and paying off his father's debts from the depression, Mm -hmm. the way he would do it was um, he would send in checks and determine which ones he would sign and not sign.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so they would have to send, and it was illegal to do that um, purposefully. Mm-hmm. But that's how he floated his money until he could pay off all those debts. So some people after the Depression, they claimed bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. He had a brother-in-law that did that. and But my grandfather was like, no, I'm going to pay my debts. Wow. And after yeah. he – he and my grandmother at that time dated for eight years. And when she when he proposed to her, yeah. she's, she didn't think he was serious. <laughs> Why? Because it'd been so long. Because that... it'd been so long. I mean, at that point, they were they were old. Yeah. I mean, they were in their
1: late thirties. Wow. Well, yeah. That for back in the day, then yeah. getting married in the late. I mean, that's commonplace now. But back then, that is was old, yeah. if you will. It was. Hate to say that's old. but yeah. part, a little older than that, but but for them, it was old. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, it
0: was, it was a great time. Um, he was very much into saving, mm-hmm. saving money. I. Yeah. All right.
1: So you, you learned a lot from him. I did. And yes. the store and being there and being around him and which, what kind of what to do and maybe what not to do.
0: Uh, I did um, about being honest and straightforward, looking people in the eye when you're talking to them and conducting mm-hmm. business. And you help people. Um, it wasn't that you pointed to where items were in the store. You went over and helped people find yeah. things. Yeah. It was full service. And I also remember... When there was a synagogue in Brookhaven, Mississippi, and I, he said, you need to go mow the, the lawn down there. Mm-hmm. And beforehand, he had been doing it, but now I was young enough, so I walked the lawnmower about two blocks and mm-hmm. go mow the yard. And then I went to him to say, okay, can you pay me? You're not getting paid. <laughs> I this is your coming. volunteer work. <laughs> So that was my first exposure <laughs> to, to volunteer to, work,
1: uh, which was great. It and, is. Yeah, I never had that kind of lesson as a kid. I wish I had. That is that is that is a wonderful story. You uh, you might not have had the lesson in that sense, but you apparently
0: had something because you donate a lot of time. You give a lot to this community.
1: Well, it's yeah. My brother and I we we do try to participate in that way. Then we definitely do. Uh, all right, so. You're getting this amazing education and life lessons uh, in the mm-hmm. store, outside the store, mowing, etc. Uh, and you end up here, and yeah. you. This was something we didn't talk about the last time. You had, you know, Pete, Rod, and Cy, the three amigos, is that? The it? three amigos. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I was just curious. Was there something that? in terms of what they did or how they ran the business that struck you as like, I I can learn from that and I'm going to make sure I keep doing that or something. And this is kind of the negative, the flip side, some things that happen, I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to run a business or, or there's... I don't know. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Not the best um, question.
1: Sorry. I'm new at this.
0: No, it's fine. To be honest, I honestly, Don't lie to me.
1: Don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> don't lie. You just said to be honest. I don't want you to lie.
0: Um, I, I really didn't think that deeply was I connecting with somebody who had a great reputation or not in the mm-hmm. community. Could I learn from this person? Mm-hmm. It was more of I looked at the business... And that's what Sandy was pushing me towards as well because it was offered and I was talking to him about it. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, great opportunity. You go for it. You should do it. Okay. But the longer I was there, of Mm -hmm. course, by the time I really got into the ownership side of things, Cy was gone. Yes. He was no longer a partner. Right. But I certainly learned and heard stories of what type of partner he was, mm-hmm. and initially he was a great partner yeah. with them.
1: Yeah, they had a lot together. I they mean, had a lot they together. Did a lot of successful things together. I mean, but
0: over time, something changed sure. in in the partnership uh, and yeah. with some the dynamics, yeah. and it and it soured. Mm-hmm. And so they had to separate. Mm-hmm. And then Pete and Rod bought out Psy. Mm-hmm. They separated, and di- right. divested their interests as partnerships. Some yeah rod had retained some stuff and cy retained some other things sure so then learning from pete and rod mainly from pete because Mm -hmm. he was the managing partner Mm -hmm. and i remember him saying always pay your bills okay all right there you go there's one create great relationships always pay Mm -hmm. your bills and when you tell somebody you're gonna do something do it okay and my grandfather was always like that too Mm -hmm. always be honest Mm -hmm. and and pete was honest yeah, um, and it was a, a great opportunity to to learn and and hear how people respected and appreciated him and in, in, in the community and mm-hmm. and Rod as well. And when they were building that business, the community was different in the sense of there were really long off seasons. Yes, mm. <laughs> <So laughs> back. Then you, as the owner and operator, you really had to do as much as possible yeah. as you could. Yes. And as our community has um, matured mm-hmm. and grown, mm-hmm. that the off-season is not as um, profound. There is an off-season still. Yes. But we're not talking about absolute crickets. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and, yes. Yeah. Um. Where. People are still coming into town and businesses are still open after Labor Day, mm-hmm. which is important Yeah, uh, to, for people to understand that the town square used to literally shut down Labor Day. Yeah. And restaurants would shut down oh, and yeah. not open up until Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. And as the town has grown and developed, as businesses have as well – As owners, you're able to delegate a lot more. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything that I'd say I've done differently, it's offering greater delegation to other people in the business. And that's not saying that what Pete and Jackie did was not the right way. Oh, for sure. It was they did things the way that they needed to do it to survive when they first started
1: it. Absolutely. I mean, I remember... As a kid, my dad going into the dealership on Saturday or Sunday to to scrub the floor of all things because it wasn't clean enough for him. I mean, he would scrub the shop floor, for goodness sake, because he was, he was kind of a clean freak, mm-hmm. very neat, and, and loved that stuff. And if it wasn't to his satisfaction, he would go in on the weekend and do it. And no customer would, I don't think in reality, appreciate or care that he was scrubbing the shop floor on right. a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. But when he went in on Monday, it made him feel better. Sure. Uh, so, no, it's... It, it, it's funny you you should talk about the the off season and I used to used to point out to friends as they'd come through town, I said, and the the Antler Motel, you know, Clarine's original property, and they they changed the sign maybe ten years ago now, but the old original Antler sign, on the bottom of it, it said open year round. Hmm. That was their differentiator. Okay, because they were open year round, and they were one of the hand one or two properties back in the sixties and seventies that was that didn't close mm-hmm. in November, December, January. And so they were marketing, if you will, by saying they're open. And you know, now you look at unfortunately the sign's gone. They they updated it. But I loved seeing that. My, now my new favorite sign is one of the Virginian that advertises that they have phones.
0: I think it's still says I
1: think it still says T V ph- phones. What? Oh there's one it cracks me up. Yeah. It's, but but that's what makes it the verge, right? It's awesome.
0: Uh, you drive through Wyoming, you can still see some of those signs and the roadside motels that say color tea. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like watching an old old well, movie that's not that old, and someone's running for a payphone uh, to make a call. Right. And you know, when's the last time you saw? Them? When's the last time you saw a payphone?
0: Probably when going up into the park. I think there's still up are park. there still
1: some in the park. I think so. <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, well, I, I have
0: a funny payphone story too. All
1: right, let's hear it. All right. So, this, this is, is fun. This is fun. I this, love this. And this is connected with you. Oh, no. Yes. Uh oh. <laughs> now I'm not so happy about this.
0: So, you and I yeah. you make plans to go hike the Grand Canyon, rim yes. to rim to rim. Yes, we did. All right. Um, and I think it was a month and a
1: half after I got married. <laughs> uh, yes, we, <laughs> yes, it was, I do remember that it was a, a That time of your life. And at some point, my wife,
0: at the time I was dating fiance, said, you got to remember my phone number at some point. In case there's an emergency, you got to remember my phone number. Okay. I said, okay. And so. That's a good thing. She she said. She cares about you. That's good. She does care about me. That's good. She loves me. Yes. She does care about me. So we go and she's like, well, let me know how things go. And if you bag out, just let me know what's happening. Okay. I said, okay, deal so we get to the grand canyon i've done long hikes before but we did south rim to north rim i realized i couldn't go any further right so i took advantage of the plans that you guys had in place Mm -hmm. and i stayed in the lodge up there but first i had to call my now wife to tell her that what I was doing?
1: Okay, I said, did not know this. And... We wrote all home all the way. <laughs> I picked you up at the North Rim. You never yep. told me this, so go ahead.
0: So I didn't know her phone number <laughs> to do this, and I can't. And I think it was on a weekend, so I couldn't call her work, <laughs> right. which I knew her work number right. because I called that for the store anyway. And so I called the liquor store, and because we had her as a good customer. I asked. <laughs> I said, "Can you look up Laura's phone number?" Right. And they got. They gave me her phone number, and I told her. She's like, "I think you really
1: need to learn my phone number." <laughs> See, but kudos to you for being resourceful. Yes, to call the store, get the number, and then make the call. Yes. So yes. I, I was resourceful. Uh, enough. That's <laughs> a fun. Story. And you made that from a payphone at the North Rim. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So she and I have
0: been married eight years now, so yeah. 2011 when we did that? We were, yep. Okay. In 2020 will be nine years, so they still had payphones then, and I think the summer we were in the park and we saw some payphones. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, I appreciate you reminding me what year that was, because every now and again that trip comes up and people ask or they don't ask but it comes up and I I can never remember what year we went but now I'll always know that I can ask you because it was the year you got married
0: yes that's right all right cool and and if Laura and I ever want to remember how many years we've been together we ask our friends Brendan and Nikki how many years they've been married
1: (laughs) oh because you (laughs) connected when they got married
0: well we had first started dating and then in that winter like January okay and they were married
1: in June so
0: however long they've been married that's how we know how long we've been dating
1: (laughs) nice it always it's good to have help sure right get some help that way
0: I'll be right back with Jim after this quick message from the show's sponsor mountainweather.com the go-to website in and around Jackson Hole for weather in the mountains founded in 1991 as a way to keep track of weather information by meteorologist Jim Wood Mincy Mountain Weather also provides forecasting services for special events and mountaineering expeditions around the world. You know Mountain Weather Forecast is the best because it comes from someone who loves spending time in the mountains. Jim is a former Jenny Lake climbing ranger. He's an avid backcountry skier, a mountain biker, and a certified avalanche instructor. Visit com slash mountainweather to learn a ton more.
1: So tell me a little bit about what... I'm in here, your awesome office, and I am... In the basement. A, a, in, in the basement. It's fine. Yeah. I am astounded by the number of books in here. And, but uh, you don't know if they've been read or not. I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know that I necessarily care. I'm assuming that a chunk of them have. Yes. But certainly, maybe not all of them, as I give the full 360 in here. Uh, talk to me about your uh, what appears to me to be an obvious pursuit of, of learning, trying to get better.
0: Yes. I where's but, that come from? Where's um, that where's
1: that where's that inner drive discipline come from?
0: It's to make it comes from learning from others. Okay. F- first off. And I took a class several years ago through CWC and Silicon Coolar partnership mm-hmm. called Startup Intensive. And it it's put on by Sandy Hustler and Liza Millet. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about some books and we had to read some books for the class. Mm -hmm. And I met somebody called Bill Watkins. He has this group called The Lion's Pride. And in that, it talks about your continual need for education and to do self-improvement. And before that, I read a
1: little bit, maybe Mm
0: -hmm. a few books a year. Sure, but nothing like I have now committed myself to doing.
1: And what is your commitment? Do you have? I know I've read, I, I've heard, you know, for some folks, you know, read ten pages a day, you know, whatever you to, to create a habit, and then before you know it, you get a book down, and then you get two, and then three. What? How do you do that?
0: It's finding the time, and I'm really not great about having that daily habit. Okay. I'm trying to find thirty minutes a day. All right, and. Sometimes it's even just reading it while riding the bicycle at the gym.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I notice you, every time I see you at the gym, you bring a book in, yeah, by the way.
0: And, and it's a great place for me to read a book, mm-hmm. even if I have to read some of the pages more than once. But what, yeah. on average, about a book a month okay. is what I can accomplish. All right. Um, and also finding time to be dad, husband, and uh-huh. business owner. But uh-huh. I've, I've enjoyed it, and I've appreciated it. <clears throat> and I've read some books like Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. And it, and even in there, and that was written back in the twenties. Yeah, uh, thinking grow rich, thinking grow rich. Yeah, great book. And it, absolutely, very good book. And even there, it says you have to invest in yourself to grow. Mm-hmm. And and if you're not going to grow, then you're just going to shrivel up and yeah, and get passed on, and your business will as well. Yeah. And it's important to. You don't have to do everything that's brand new in your business or in life, Uh but you got to look at what is important to add on to your
1: business. So, yeah. Good. Well, congratulations. Thank you. It's a great habit. I appreciate you asking. Yeah, no. Now, to me, and I am not quite that disciplined in the book route, I go hot and cold, but one of the areas that I have found difficult, maybe even more, which is not good because I'm still not to where you're at there reading-wise, but is, so you read a book or you go to a seminar or you're, you're, you're part of the Lions Pride group or, you know, Sandy's wonderful and, and, and you read these things these people have, implementing that, executing on that either in your personal life, your professional life and, and actually making that change. How do you feel you're doing at the execution phase? Hmm. And maybe share with our listeners and me so I can learn too, some some tips t- to help us execute on those things that we learn. Mm-hmm.
0: I am probably about 50% at executing.
1: I still think that's pretty good, <laughs> personally. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> um, how, can, how can we all be better at the execution? And in thinking about what is important for our needs in life. Mm-hmm. How important is it that we are notified every time ESPN puts out a news, something news, or the AP or whatever your news source, Fox Uh or CNN, whatever it is? Yeah. Do you need that ding and that chime on your phone? I don't. No, I don't either. (laughs) And and same thing with the emails and the text messages. How important is it that you receive all those Mm -hmm. immediate notifications? Do you need that immediate gratification? And it's balancing your time and understanding what information you have to silence Mm -hmm. and to allow your brain to really focus. And I need greater focus and less distractions Mm -hmm. to be able to accomplish work. Sure. So I'm the type of person that in college, I could not study in the coffee shop. My wife could.
1: No way. I wasn't yeah. either. I was go down in the hole of the science library where nobody went.
0: Yes, I went to the law library. That was my we style. Found that one, and okay. I'm with you. I needed really uh, uh, extreme quiet mm-hmm. to be able to study and to absorb the information and, and study my way. So and,
1: and plus there, it lacks interruptions, which kind of helps yes, too. <laughs> yeah,
0: it does. And back then, of course, we didn't have cell phones or right. or email. I mean, you might yeah. have. I, I had email a little bit. It was just coming out when I was in, in college mm-hmm. but it was not a primary source and and think about it we survived back then mm-hmm. can you can people still survive by not knowing that you received 10 text messages in the past hour if somebody really needs to get in t- touch with you they'll call you yeah your phone will
1: ring Oh, but it's usually in my gym bag or my car, <laughs> somewhere that I don't hear it. <laughs> but Sorry. then they'll call your office. That's true. Yeah, they can call your office. That's true. They'll find a way. I'm very good about answering that phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet you are. I am. Yeah, I'm not so good about the other one. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. So mm-hmm. it's fifty percent of execution. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the other fifty <clears> percent <throat> might be some reflection on it. So finding the right time to execute some of the information too. So letting it stew and, and ferment, <clears throat> deciding what are the important pieces to, to implement? Because you can't do everything.
1: No. Yeah. And uh, as a you know, fellow business owner trying to f- decide what to do versus what not to do, I mean, sometimes the latter is more important. Uh, like, Let's make sure we don't do this. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we all do things that end up being the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then hopefully we realize that and can change course quickly or or just accept that failure or that mistake and, and then hopefully learn from it and move on.
0: So well said. We will all fail. We will all make mistakes, but we want to have more wins, more successes than the failures. And hopefully the failures are not so great that it is difficult to overcome. True. And we also have to, and you're probably very good at this. That when we do fail, like you said, we learn from it, but it doesn't overcome our thinking mm-hmm. that we cannot move forward.
1: Yeah, it doesn't own us. Hopefully, exactly. I, mean, I, I remember reading one that one of the guys saying that says, you know, if you are having, you just had a failure, or the real it could be just, just falling from a you know a bad day, or someone says something to you that insulted you or whatever, and it's like you know, well, when you get thrown off the wall, do you bounce or splat? Nah yeah well said you got to bounce back Mm -hmm. right because if you splat and you let it ruin the rest of your day week month well then that's kind of shame on you Mm -hmm. right i mean we all might need a day or an hour or whatever it takes to to bounce back but point is from that little quip is to bounce back Mm -hmm. and some days because we're human we're better at it than others that's right
0: (laughs) we are human
1: yeah and some days we bounce back really well Mm -hmm. and and some days not so much right uh but i think remembering that we need to is important that's right so
0: and and if i can add something to that please what we all see or a lot of people see such as the instagram or whatever other grams and facebook (laughs) yeah that's some of that just is not real oh and there's a lot more to life than how we can project ourselves or how we are, how we think other people are projecting themselves on those social networks and just being okay with who we are. Yeah. And that's most important. And being okay with who we are and at the same time understanding we have to strive for continual improvement. We'll never be perfect. But right. if we can make little steps, whether it's reading a book to improve your reading comprehension or just putting information in your mind,
1: it's so important to do that. And I wanna tack on to that, and that is trying to celebrate those little wins. Yeah, I think it's important, and I'm not very good at that, and I think a lot of us maybe aren't, and taking the time, whether it's with an employee or a coworker or a fellow business owner or your spouse or your child, uh, or even your dog it's to celebrate a win mm-hmm. uh, because it's we remember the failures remember the knockdowns we remember the negative our brain is just wired that way i think i read about it's a 70 30 i don't know how they figured that out and uh and i just kind of made that i didn't totally make that percentage <laughs> up but i don't know if you know that 42 percent 42 percent of all estimates are made up on the spot oh good yeah okay. there you go cool. so anyway and i just made that up but the uh <laughs> so don't believe the 42% either so but no in all seriousness i we are we're wired for negativity because you know back way 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 back in the day if something bad happened you're gonna die right now it's not life or death most of these things but we're still kind of somewhat wired that way so trying to focus on some of those positive things and celebrate those those little wins we need that i'm i'm so happy
0: you said we're not great at it but we need to do it and i'm with you i'm not so great at it either
1: yeah and and we have to kind of remind ourselves and and to your point of just like being yourself being happy with being yourself sounds kind of silly Mm -hmm. but it's important and it's hard because we're hard on ourselves true i I think Mm -hmm. and we focus on the negative Mm -hmm. i did that wrong i can't believe i said this i can't believe i didn't do that i can't believe this happened I'm just I'm terrible. I'm awful. I'm whatever. It's easy to get in that negative spiral. I don't do you find that true? I do. And and
0: I work hard to not be in it. Especially I grew up in a household where my mom was very negative. Her mom was very negative okay. as well. So I'm very conscious mm-hmm. of of that and mm-hmm. really try to be positive. And like you said, I'm not great at it. Sure. I can be better at it. And I know that being aware of it is one of the greatest oh, tools yeah. for me. Awareness to, for
1: mm-hmm. all of us, I think, is a, sure. is a wonderful tool.
0: And accept that we're not perfect and accept feedback from other people as
1: well. That's helped me a lot too. I think trying to constructively take that feedback and uh, to listen, mm-hmm. not get defensive. Sometimes that feedback is right, and sometimes it's, I think, it might be wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's what if people tell you some things, they're they're not always right either. Uh, but at least being aware of it, listening to it, trying to regurgitate it, if you will, through your brain, and say, hey, you know what, I think they're more right than wrong. I can learn from that. Mm-hmm. Is that's a skill?
0: It is, and <clears> it's a <throat> skill that I've not always had, and I've gotten much better at over the years. And it's. It's up to us to take the information that people provide to us. And if we become upset, it's our choice to become upset about it. And we we also have to remember that when somebody's providing feedback, they're probably providing feedback based upon our actions Mm -hmm. versus – saying who we are as an individual person. Exactly. And when you, we can break it down and realize that it was my action at that moment, Mm -hmm. then we can detach from it a little bit and say, depersonalize it. Yeah. And we don't need to allow ourselves to become upset. And we can say, yes, I can see that or maybe no, and disagree with that person and still be friends.
1: Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, love the person, loathe the behavior. Mm -hmm. And loathe is maybe a strong word, but we all behave poorly sometimes. Sure. Right? We all have our moments. Uh, That doesn't make you a bad person. Right. right, Just kind of. So this is one of my favorite questions, Uh, and we did cover this last time, but I want to ask, while we're kind of talking on positive and negative, I'm going to go a little negative on you here, Stefan. Okay. All right. So pet Peeves. hmm I, I it's just one of those things. I always like knowing what someone's pet peeves are. It can be business wise, personal. I hate it when or I hate's a strong word. I don't like it when someone does X. I don't like it when people interrupt me. I don't I don't know. Pet peeves.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm <clears> sure <throat> that we all have
1: some pet peeves. People Chewing gum behind you on the airplane, you know, too loud. No,
0: that doesn't bother me. Okay. But what does bother me is People not picking up after themselves, ash taking ownership. People not taking ownership of their actions. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have mistakes happen. Yeah, and when we make a mistake, if we're not able to accept and take ownership of what our mistake is, and try to put it onto somebody else, that's bad. And then getting into you know the trash side of things. Mm-hmm. I'm not a smoker. I don't like smoking, sure. but I'll sell tobacco and right. I have no problem with it. I yeah. got to support you.
1: Thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you. That's a, um, that's a long story we don't yeah, need to go yeah. into, but thank you. But um, <laughs> when when you
0: see somebody smoking and they're going to walk into a building and they just flick their cigarette butt, that, that bothers me. Yeah. Because who's going to pick it up? And why does that person feel that it's okay, okay. Yeah. to litter yeah. in that respect? And... Sometimes it's just when you're walking and you see trash, just bend over and pick it up. Yeah. Make the world a little bit better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I think we've both participated in the town cleanup for yes. many years. Uh, and I know you're getting your kids out there and making them kind of, if you will, mow the synagogue grass for free in, in your own way <laughs> on, they, on cleanup day?
0: Yes, they, <laughs> right? They love helping mow the, the yard and get the snowblower out. I remember one town cleanup day. Mm-hmm. We were sitting on the town square for the barbecue. Yeah. And It was all for the, everybody that helped mm-hmm. clean up. Yeah. And then uh, somebody got up and just left the trash there. No! Yes. They had just participated <sighs> in <town sighs> they got up and just left their, all the stuff there. I was like, hmm, okay. Laura and I picked it up, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is
1: so bad. <laughs> like, <sighs> wow. Well, good for you. I mean, I, that's yeah. that's a good pet peeve. Quite, quite frankly, I, I, I like yeah. that one. And and another
0: one is being honest and really taking ownership of your actions, mm-hmm. and um, and being able to call somebody out when they're doing something wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's important because we all need to have a check. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. So we were talking about learning and all like that. Kind of, it, and I don't want to. I guess I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot, but I don't want you to name names. You've interviewed a lot of people. A few. Oh, I think a lot. Okay. Sixty plus. Sixty six. There you go. Yeah. I've listened to I don't know probably half of them. And thank I, you. Yeah. Oh no, I'm 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 am a listener. I mean, hours on the on the spin bike. What are you going to do? <laughs> right? It's like listen to my friend and listen to. But here's the cool thing. Uh, I have learned some fun stuff about people that I thought I knew a little bit about. So anyway, then shameless plug for the show. But I want to ask you a couple of things that you've learned okay. from your guests. Sure, that you felt were they were just super impactful for you. Okay, I'm listening.
0: Oh, I'm supposed to answer this now. Yes, what have I learned from
1: just my, a couple of things that stick out? Maybe, and I'm not guests. trying to ask you to name names, but this idea sure. or this. Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, let's see. Searching out. Information that you disagree with. Mm. All uh, right. So you know what the opposing view is. Um, All right. Also, making sure the source of imp- your information has been validated mm-hmm. and is legitimate. So not always taking what you hear from others or what you read at face value. That mm-hmm. you really have to might read from another source of the same topic. Mm -hmm. Um, What else have I learned that a lot of, it takes a lot of hard work Mm -hmm. and to survive in life, Yeah. but it takes passion and Mm -hmm. resilience Mm -hmm. and you can really make it through there. And with all, I've also learned that with all of the, maybe what we see as negativity and maybe people doing things bad. And it seems Mm -hmm. though that, people are the millennials are just going to ruin this <laughs> nation or this gener, you know this world. Oh yeah. That there's hope. There's mm-hmm. a lot more kind great people oh, out I'm- there who are doing wonderful wonderful stuff for their communities. Yeah. And it's very true. We need to get the word out more about what the good stuff is rather than the bad stuff and we need to stay positive. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, nice. Well, I, uh, I, I know I've written down a couple books to read from folks that you had on. I cool. know I, yeah. And like anything, some folks resonate more just with me than others. Mm-hmm. But that's that's why you interview a nice wide range of folks.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, sure. And then one last one was: uh-huh. you have to step out of your boundaries of comfort if if you really want to succeed in life. And not everybody who is successful, who you see as successful, knew it all in the beginning. And they've had many, many failures. But they learned from the failures and mm-hmm. they did a lot of studying and they used um, other people, not using, but they relied on other people. Right.
1: learned. For yeah.
0: information, but also to bounce ideas. Uh-huh. And, and that's something that I've learned over time is, the more you nice. can share about your business with others, the more that they can help you
1: with your business as well because you can't do it all. Uh, it's, and, and I think people would be shocked, at, uh, or maybe I don't know, to learn that people, they usually appreciate that you care enough to ask,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they'll give you a good, genuine, heartfelt answer. Yes. Uh and even sometimes, with maybe not a competitor that's in town, but someone that's in your business that owns a store in Cheyenne or Denver or whatever. And you'd say, Hey, I mean, well, how do you handle this? Or how do you do that? And it, it may or may not work for you, but I think most people are kind of tickled or feel honored that you even asked. Mm-hmm. But you got to ask. That's right. My mom. And be willing to listen. That's right. <laughs>
0: yeah. My mom taught me the. When you ask somebody a question, what's the worst thing that they can tell you? No. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't ask, mm-hmm. you're in the same place as you were before. <laughs> so if they say no,
1: what's the difference? Yeah, But for those folks that hate rejection, mm-hmm. they don't ask.
0: They don't ask and they'll never
1: know. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I fall into that. I'm, I, I'm sad th- to say sometimes I absolutely fall into I that. I think we all do. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that might be true. All right, I want to talk a little bit about... Uh a couple of things you wrote on the bio that I made you fill out. Yes. Right. Okay. Did I make you fill this out?
0: You well, not but, with a really gun point did. or anything. No. But.
1: <laughs> but you sent me a list of questions. I did. Right? And, so and then I, I agreed s- to fill right. out as well. I said, well if we're gonna do this little swaparoo, then mm-hmm. you know we're gonna Okay. So uh we're not going to talk about the superhero. We're not going to talk about skis or bikes or any of that kind of good stuff, even though there's some good, interesting answers. What we're going to talk about is the impact of the Henry Jacobs School on Stephen Abrams. Ah, uh,
0: Henry S. Jacobs Camp.
1: Yeah. So yes. I, and I just want you to, how did you end up there? How old were you? What kind of life lessons? And, and I, I, go. Okay. I ended up at
0: Henry S. Jacobs Camp. Because I was growing up Jewish in okay. Mississippi.
1: You and four others? Um, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Probably not. I don't Mississippi and Jewish population, I don't know. I'm not a demographer, but that strikes me is there are not small. many of you. That's right. <clears throat> not many okay. of us.
0: Um, the town we were in, the Jewish family was us. Okay, and so it was important for my parents and for my grandparents for uh-huh. us to be around other Jewish kids. Sure. So I started going um, <coughs> around. I don't know, nine, ten years old. Okay. I remember one of my f- the first years that my brother went. He had to come home because he had chicken pox. Ooh. Yeah, and that's never good. No, that's uh, good. Yeah. no, that's never good. He had to leave camp early, which is a bummer. So, I've met uh, my best friend Richie there mm-hmm. and some other lifelong friends that I've met there as well. And I started as a camper and worked out the way up to staff. Uh, this oh, guy, wow. See, so Hart was the mm-hmm. camp director for All right. for since '72 for probably about 30 years.
1: Yikes. Yeah, oh, that's a long time.
0: And we learned a lot. We learned that. Um, there's a lot of good in people that we can be friends with just about anybody when you give the other person a chance.
1: And was in terms of it, was this primarily a Jewish-based camp or were there— So it, it did have a religious undertone to it. It did? And, okay.
0: And we went to services, you absolutely. You did? Okay. And we learned about the Torah and the right. history of Judaism, <clears> throat> absolutely throat> mm-hmm. sang Jewish songs— But it was also other activities, swimming Mm -hmm. and photography, horseback riding,
1: athletics, or ropes course. And this is in Mississippi. Yes, it was hot. And uh, I'm just just drawing this. No air conditioning. uh, uh, Yeah. Cabins, lots of sweat, lots of bugs, lots of...
0: Yeah. Clothes getting moldy. Some clothes (laughs) would just get thrown away at the end of the three and a half weeks. You'd come home and your parents would just start throwing stuff away.
1: So three and a half weeks camp was almost a month long.
0: We were required to write home twice uh, three times a week, I think, Uh three or four times a week. Twice were letters and uh, once or twice were postcards. So, yeah.
1: It sounds like you would grow up a lot with that kind of experience.
0: Yeah, we did. We had to make our own bed. At that time, uh-huh. we did our own laundry, which now, gratefully, they don't do that anymore because you don't want small kids carrying the laundry and <laughs> the mud when it rains. <sighs> I remember seeing kids just drop their laundry bag in the mud. It's like, uh-huh. So then somebody's got to go rewash it. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good thing. And then going and being the, a counselor on staff and learning about planning. Mm-hmm. proper planning uh, yeah. because you always had to have your program designed and then you had to have a backup program designed. So if things went
1: awry,
0: let's say you're an outdoor program and it starts yeah. raining, yeah. what is plan B? How you had to you, be ready. And where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. Because here you have all these other kids and cabins and units yeah. in camp. So if... You like, oh, I'm gonna to go to such and such area in camp. Well, what if three other people are thinking the same thing? So it's already been planned out. So instead of people just showing up, it's you know where to go if something happens.
1: So you became a camp leader of sort, is
0: that or uh I don't what's know the, about a leader. well what's the what's the counselor?
1: Counselor, yes. Okay. Other so
0: uh, parents put their trust in me.
1: <laughs> and how old were you when you were counseling? It
0: was. You are like 16 uh, then? 17? No, no. twenty. college. It was college. Okay. So it was probably 19, 20 years old.
1: All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And the same three and a half week. Go ahead. You were going to say something there. I interrupted you. No. No. Okay. So you're there for the same three and a half weeks and now you're responsible for kids that are how old? Nine, 10, 12? Yeah.
0: 12, 13. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anywhere from eight to probably 13, 14 years old.
1: And a lot of returnees, I suspect, because people you, love camp usually. Usually
0: there were lots of returnees. So, just had our 50th anniversary for the camp. And you
1: did, did you? And you went?
0: I went, got to see one of my camp counselors from when I was about 10 years old. Oh, that had
1: to be special. That was fun.
0: Remarkably special. Yeah. And good for you. Just reconnected with people, some people <clears> I hadn't <throat> seen in probably 25, 30 years, who mm-hmm. now have families and raising kids. And yeah. it, was, it was awesome to
1: see. Well, good for you. My nephew, uh, his son, is now going to a camp uh, in uh, Oklahoma camp. Oh, shoot, I can't remember Longhorn, I think something like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. and th- they were thrilled with being able to send their kid out. And now, you know, no phones, no this, no that, and it just kind of reminded me of you talking about your camp experience. They, their, their son. I guess that'd be my great nephew, whatever. Just love the experience. That's awesome. And I, I think can't wait to go back. Cool. Uh, so, all it right. Lets, it lets kids
0: be kids without the outside social pressures, <clears throat> which is so important mm-hmm. um, because once when you get into school, there's so many different social pressures. So yeah. to where when you're at camp, it's everybody's participating at the same level.
1: Yeah. So we talked a little bit about your – started cashiering and now you're the co-owner of the business mm-hmm. uh we've talked a little bit you know about those professional life successes some of the things as, as you're a youngster but you and your mm-hmm. lovely wife laura and you now know her phone number mm-hmm. i do okay yes. good yeah so it's not just on speed dial you you actually have it memorized I is do. that I correct you, you would yeah. know okay good it's yeah. not just have to i could borrow
0: her. your phone and call her Excellent. Without it being in your context.
1: All right. Laura, I don't know if you listen, but that's good news for you.
0: <laughs> she doesn't listen. <laughs> she has not listen to an episode. All right. Well. She, she... has not listen to me enough at home. Why would she listen to me on these episodes? Well,
1: let, let, Let's talk about Stefan at, at home and being a father and those responsibilities and how that's changed you.
0: Sure. It's It's tough. It has been a challenge, but the most special times in my life when the boys were born, mm-hmm. and there's nothing else that connects. I think a couple is when mm-hmm. that birthing process is, mm-hmm. is happening. Um, it's been challenging. Uh, have certainly not done it right, The all of it.
1: It's impossible, by the way, yes. so don't attempt the impossible. It's okay.
0: Um, and with all of the challenges... Comes all of the wonderful, sweet moments mm-hmm. when your children give you big hugs when you walk in the door, or a hug when you drop them off at school or daycare. Thank uh-huh. for daycare. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> or they are oldest, he'll just say, Thank you for dinner. And, really? Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. I love Lewis. I don't really know him that well. Yeah. He did give me a Jackson Hole connection chip yes. at the pool, though. Yeah. So he's already selling. He's it's he's, oh, he loves it. It's gonna yeah. His the great grandfather would be proud mm-hmm. of his sales skills. He would be. At, at how old six. He's six. Okay. Yes. <laughs> 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 he's going places. Let me tell you what. That guy is gonna go places. Yeah. Yeah. He? Look. Look out, not Jackson Hole. Look out world. Because, yes. Because Lewis is gonna. Uh, he's gonna light it up. That's
0: right. And we just do our best to instill for them to be good people and uh, be kind to each other and be respectful and good manners. Mm-hmm. And the, we know we're doing it right because we get feedback from the teachers of how well mannered they are. Wow, which that's is so different at home.
1: Celebrate that victory. Celebrate that victory.
0: <laughs> that's right. Yes, we do celebrate it. And we tell them that we get the feedback from the teachers and how much we appreciate it. And they look at you yeah. and then go back to whatever they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay.
1: Yes, it is okay. That, that's okay. So trying to, trying to juggle all of that business owner, father, husband, mentor, podcaster, <laughs> extraordinaire, uh, trying to figure out how you want to spend your time. Mm-hmm. How do you make that happen? I think I think I wrote down full. What was the planner you use? Oh, Full Focus. Planner. Full Focus Planner. Yeah, is that part of the solution here? For me, it is.
0: Okay. I mean, I mean, some people. How does I, that work? I live in the calendar on Google, uh-huh. but also I write things down on the, using my Full Focus Planner. But it also has in there writing down goals for the quarter. Each planner is a quarter. Mm -hmm. So you write down your goals. uh, You have a week. I mean, you have a month that you can plan out as well on there. And then you can plan out your quarter. And it says these are the three things that you have to do today. So you're deciding that,
1: obviously. Okay.
0: Correct. And then there's a to-do list for other things that you might get accomplished as well. So it's recommended that you plan your week, but then also Mm -hmm. you reflect on what your week looked like, what did you get done? What mm-hmm. do you need to carry over the next week? Um, that becomes even a higher priority mm-hmm. because if you keep carrying it over, at some point, it's either not a priority, yeah, or you're really going to fail at something. Um, so it puts it in your, you know, insight mm-hmm. and gets you thinking about it to be successful and get stuff done and and without. A Google Calendar, being able to share calendars with people at work or even my wife mm-hmm. about things that we have for personal life—I don't know where it would be.
1: So, it's a is a full focus planner a Google thing, or no, I don't know. No, no, no. Is, no, no. That's so a, that's a I, separate. A, is it an app? Is it a, what is it?
0: Full focus planner is an actual
1: book. It's a book. Oh, it's yeah. a heart. Like so, see. I could do it because I I like to write stuff down. Yes. I'm bad digitally, as you know, you have helped me turn my phone on, Yes, but I'm not too bad when it comes to paper Mm -hmm. and pen.
0: I I like it, and it has a place for notes, so if you're in meetings, you can have have notes. So what I do is I take what's on my calendar for Google, and then I actually write it down in the book. Okay. And so that helps me um, stay better organized. And also for me, if I go to a meeting, I can take this book, and I don't have to be on my phone Mm -hmm. and especially if we're going to plan out another meeting I can look at my calendar in this book and see how I can plan out the next meeting versus looking at my phone
1: but the books for a quarter
0: yeah the books per quarter
1: so I mean in some cases I I, so something comes up it's a year out how do you do that
0: oh so there's a section in there that has you you have to fill out each quarter as well so it comes blank Mm -hmm. so you start I have the next quarter, and I start where January first is, mm-hmm. and I plan it all out. But then there's also a, um, I think an 18 month planning section. Oh, no, okay, there. yeah, all right. So, so you, can you can put
1: the big stuff. So and you know, if you've got a meeting or a seminar or whatever, and it's going to be January 2021, and you go, you can put that in. Correct. Okay. Because yeah. sometimes. I know I have bumped into some problems, some struggles when I forgot to write something down or didn't put it down eight, nine, ten months in advance and mm-hmm. then end up double booked, then yeah, life's not good when that happens. Yeah. It, I mean it happens. It, we it do it what does. we can do. It's not it's yeah. So let's talk about success. It's another positive topic. Okay. Your definition. Oh, my definition of success. And I, and I guess I would look at it, we've talked a little bit about personal life, professional life, mm-hmm. spiritual life. Uh, mm-hmm. And I ask because I, I want to hear your erudite answer so that I can use the same one and cheat off you later when someone asks me what my idea of success <laughs> is so that I can say what you said. <laughs> but, but no, in all seriousness, I, I think it's, I believe success means something different to us as we age, mm-hmm. what's successful to us when we're 20 versus 30 versus 50 uh, I believe changes I mean you could argue pretty dramatically. But thoughts on on, on success to Stefan? Ooh. Sorry that wasn't in the book. That's what, okay. That was, That's okay. <laughs>
0: um, it's it's not so much the tangible items that I have. It's more of—I mean, we all need certain things in life. It's—I mean, if you are blessed enough to own a house, that you can own a house. And Mm -hmm. for me, I own a—you know—older vehicle that I—it could care less driving a fancy vehicle. Right. That's not me. But I'm in the car business, and I'm with you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm kind of the same way, but don't tell anyone.
0: (laughs) Only the people listening, though. Yeah. Um, So for me, success is, I think, what I have in the emotional bank account. I think Stephen Covey wrote about that in Seven Habits of Highly Mm -hmm. Effective People. And what I mean about that is how much have I had a positive impact on other people's lives? So I've apparently had an impact on my wife because she agreed to marry me and she loves me enough enough. That she is still with me. She loves me. That's good. And well,
1: you're, yeah. She should. You're, you're a good person. Thank you.
0: And what we're doing with our boys, mm-hmm. but also the people that I work with at the businesses. Um, how am I impacting and helping improve their lives? Um, am I creating and providing the right environment where they want to do the same for others when they come on board at the store? That they want to help teach and allow other people to mm-hmm. grow and see that there's hope and you don't just have to be a cashier or mm-hmm. um, a river guide or a shelter driver all of your life. Um, we can always do what we're willing to invest in ourselves. So for for me, another part of success is me taking the time to invest in myself so right. I can make myself um, more of a well-rounded full person and also help others. So it's it's not about all about me, it's mm-hmm. about what I can do for others to help others. So that's part of why I have the podcast is mm-hmm. so I can share yeah. stories. Nice. And uh, hopefully we all learn from other people from stories and from history. Yeah. And it's it's so important that we can share and sit, sit down and talk and have conversations because we can talk about any topic out there. It's just mm-hmm. what do we choose, and can we accept that topic that somebody else wants to talk about?
1: And yeah. being gay, yeah. So I, this just popped into my brain. Given given your your twenty year history at the liquor store, do you think the fact that you started as cashier and now as CEO, owner, etc., how do you feel that you manage people in a way? that is, I'll call it special or unique because you've been in every, almost every set of shoes there. And so now when you as the owner are managing them, coaching them, do you think that has made a, a, a difference?
0: It, I would say it has, but also what has made a difference is going back to searching out other information, mm-hmm. having mentors yeah. and gr- me growing, Yeah, that's helped as well. For sure. And putting all of those mm-hmm. pieces together yeah. um, allows for me to not be a manager, but a leader, a coach, because somebody had to help me along the way. Mm-hmm. So I want to help other people along the way as well. Did I answer your yes, question? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. Yeah.
1: Good. I get it. All right. So final thing. Okay. You ready? I know. Yep. it's probably run a little long. I, I apologize. It's the listeners who are going to listen <laughs> Well, <laughs> it's you. They're yeah. going to keep listening. Oh, I don't know. I okay. think so. All right. So, uh, and I I stole this off another podcast that I listened to, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't prep you on purpose. All right. For this. So, uh, it's and I it's an it's an English guy and he stole it from. It doesn't matter. So, Stefan is going to a desert island. Mm-hmm. All right, and he will never be seen anybody ever again. All right. So. Three things. One, what piece of music would you bring with you on the desert island? Two, what book would you bring with you? And then three, what piece of advice would you give to the world before you left for the island?
0: Hmm. Wow. The music one, I think that's tough. What popped in my head for the book uh-huh. is a blank one.
1: Ah. So I can write in it. Wow, I like it. I've listened to this one guy's podcast probably thirty, forty episodes, and no one has said that. Okay, that's a cool answer. A lot of people, you know, let's say the Bible mm-hmm. or whatever—that you know, a religious text. Uh, but no one has said a blank. That's I'm smiling. That's okay, cool. cool. All right. A uh, piece of advice before I left. Yes. To go. Um... To never be seen again, and you're going to tell the world from Stefan, This is the one one piece of advice hmm. or statement or that I'm going to leave you with.
0: Okay, um, do something today that will help the world be a better place. Okay. And it's kind of like leave no trace when you go in the backwoods, mm-hmm. the backcountry. country. Yeah. yeah. Just do something to make the world a little a, a better place. And it doesn't take a lot, it mm-hmm. just takes a little bit. Okay. Um, piece of music. Holy cow.
1: Um, and I, I do not know your musical tastes, sir. I, it's, I, I do not know. I don't know if they're wide range. Is that just
0: one song?
1: No. It could be an album. Uh-huh. It could be a 45, and I'm really showing my age. Not a 78. I don't think okay. That makes sense. Uh, but I would say it could be an album. Okay. It does not have to be one song. So Bruce Springsteen had a collection. I mean, that's like...
0: An album? (laughs) Can I have his collection from like 1975? Yes, you can.
1: I will allow that answer. A Bruce Springsteen album collection. Yes. Okay. Cool. All right. (laughs) Well, that. Is awesome, and we've probably, like I said, run a little too long. But Stefan, I can't thank you enough for allowing me to grill you for the last X number of minutes. It's been a blast.
0: Well, the counter says an hour and 18 minutes, but it's somewhere
1: around there. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, thanks for the 78 minutes uh, with me. It's been fun,
0: excellent. Thank you, Jim. This has been a blast as well, and thank you for doing this. You're welcome.
1: Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, maybe we'll do uh, who knows? Next we might do another you. one. <laughs> ah, people don't really want to know. Yeah. Alrighty, call her a wrap. Thanks, All right. buddy. Thank you.
0: To learn more about Jim and his life here in Jackson Hole, please visit the thejacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 71. And I do love hearing from my listeners and subscribers. So if you have feedback or suggestions, please send an email to connect at thejacksonholeconnection.com. Please remember to visit the sponsor's website, mountainweather.com, to learn what is happening in your mountains. And right now we're going to head into a little special Addendum to this episode, a little word for my boys, William and Lewis, who've been dying to share a little bit of their knowledge about podcasting with you. I hope you enjoy, and I sure hope to see you back here next time at the Jackson Hole Connection. Alright boys, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here at the Jackson Hole <laughs> Connection. Wow, wow. Wah wah! What do you say?
1: Okay. Well, hold
0: on one second. So, what do you like about podcasts? That they're fun to record. They're fun to record. Yeah. You like watching the recording, correct? Me too. Yeah. So, William, are you going to turn four in a few days? Yeah. Uh, And are you excited about your birthday coming up? Yeah. I bet he is. So tell me about the winter. What is exciting about this winter? Um, so, okay. hold on, let I Lewis do talk. Do All right, Lewis, tell us what you're excited about for this winter. I'm excited to go skiing. And where do you go skiing? Snowking. And what's fun about Snowking, skiing over at Snowking? Um, that I get my very own ski pass. That's right. Willie, do you get your own ski pass? How old are you, Willie? Can you tell everybody? you got to say it in words. Williams 4. All right, boys. Thanks for being here at the Jackson Hole Connection today, and we'll see you later. Say bye to everybody. Say bye to everybody.
1: Bye.
0: Willie, say bye.
1: Bye, 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 bye.
0: (laughs) Thank you, everybody.